So the story starts off, it says, he went along, this is Jesus, he was going along. Now this is right after, uh, you know, people who had said, were, believed in him, were about ready to stone him. Uh, he walked away from that. And so this is uh, from somewhere else. It says, as he went along, he, Jesus uh, saw a man blind from birth. And it doesn't say that he initiated a conversation or talked to his disciples or anything like that. It just says that he saw this person. And the disciples uh, started a conversation. It says his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, uh, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Um. You know, when we look at that from the outside, you know, uh, tons of time has passed, different culture, different time, different place, and we just look at that and we see someone who has a disability and the topic of conversation is, you know, it doesn't say it was within earshot, it was within eyeshot, you might say which is probably within earshot too, because it's always surprising the conversations that you can hear that people will have about you (laughs) or that you'll have with other people. It's like, oh, I didn't mean for them to hear that. (laughs) But it's a, a, a pretty egregious conversation to have. You know, here's someone with a disability and upon seeing it, the first thing you want to do is just talk about, you know, oh, well, who messed up, this person or, or their parents? You know, assigning blame, trying to figure out who, who's going to blame you or the people who, you know, your, your parents, the people who are supposed to care about you, take care of, you know, whatever you want to say. And it's someone that has a disability. And, and it's also interesting to know that it, it's not like the disciples were... Uh, just going around, you know, talking mess with people and never helping anyone out. They, they weren't like on the side where, uh, you know, Bible labels like hypocrites, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, that, that kind of business. They're, they're people that are like genuinely following Jesus, uh, going around, um, feeding the poor, being a part of like raising money, to help people in terms of like people within their culture if you were to make some sort of judgment in terms of someone who's who's not just talking about people but actually trying to do something to help people you would have to say they're on the upper edge of that in other words amongst the people who you might say you know are actually closest or closest to Jesus, whatever it is you want to say if you're making some sort of judgment, amongst those, they're going to have this conversation. This is their topic of conversation, like casting judgment on someone who's disabled. You know, really, in an odd sort of sense, I'm sure they had good motives, you know, to have this conversation. That's the silliest thing to say. For some reason, they thought that 
in the midst of making a difference in the world, and they're obviously following Jesus to make a difference in the world, to you know, bring some sort of salvation or help their country, help people that are going there. In the midst of all that, they feel it necessary or feel justified in having a discussion about blaming someone who has a disability. It's a pretty egregious thing. And it's hard for us to relate to it because we just think, well, I wouldn't be saying that about someone who has a, I mean, I, you know, I at least wouldn't say it out loud. (laughs) But we, we, we find this disconnect to it. When the truth is, this isn't a picture of how bad the disciples are. It's just a picture of the way we all are in general. And we do these egregious things and we have these egregious discussions that people always overhear and these pass these judgments on people and we color it or do it in such a way that leaves us feeling like we're still on the side of people trying to make a difference type thing. We just care so much about this person. You know, I just felt like I just had to explain to them how they could lose some weight. You know, I just care so much about this person and I just feel like they just, you know, you know, unfortunately either them or their parents were just so stupid that they just don't know how to organize their cash. And so I just needed to just in the interest of just really trying to make a difference because I love them and care about them. So I just started to explain to them how they really need to start saving some money. The, the root of this particular discussion, it's not for us, because for us the root is, um, even though for many in the church it, it is the Bible, which is even more egregious. For, for most of us it's just, we think the same way, it's just we're doing it because of cultural reasons or just the way we are. But, but the root of it for them was this, that it says in the Old Bible, the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, um, when Moses gave all these laws and commandments, God said, look, if you follow these laws and these commandments, then you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you'll be cursed. And so they looked at that and they felt like, well, how do we know if someone's like really following, you know, you have to have that discussion. What is this actually saying? How is it, you know, do I really follow it? How, how is it, do I really have repentance? How is it that I'm really turning? And, and you know, you, you kind of end up coming to the thing that, you know, God kind of has to know the heart. That, that That's where they were. And, and so God knowing the heart then will give out blessings based on what he knows people are compliant. Does someone really love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? It's it's a little bit hard to tell, but God knows their heart. And if to the extent that they are, blessings are coming into their life. So what does that mean? In their culture, what that meant is that if you had a lot of money, then you were blessed and so we can safely assume that, you know, you must be following what God has to say. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. And if you're someone who has a disability like this person, well, we're viewing that as a curse. And so you must have done something wrong or your parents, someone did 
something wrong. You, you make these judgments, these inferences, based on what perceived blessings there are and then making an inference to this person must have done something right. And then what perceived deficit, and the reason why I'm saying perceived, it's not because blindness, I'm not trying to uh, uh, disrespect that. I, I'm just saying that, that it's not even necessarily the case sometimes. It, it's, just, it's just a perceived thing, even. Whenever there's a perceived deficit, uh, we assume that there must be something that's gone wrong. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but Jesus says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He, he was saying he's homeless. He doesn't have cash. It, you, well, you want to give Jesus a talk about how he needs to save something? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, he was from Nazareth. That doesn't mean anything to us. But for them, they just thought, who, who, what good person can come? You know, I, I don't even want to give the name, but there's lots of, yeah. What it is, is it's a really simple thing. I, I don't know. I, sorry for using examples all the time, like money or something. It's just, I'm, I'm searching for something that doesn't really like uh, point any fingers at anyone. So I'm trying to find some generalized things, you know. So, so forgive me for the examples, but but just, uh, it's a very natural thing to think through and just say, look, you know, I, if I could just manage my money a little bit better and I, I get this little app, it's helped me keep track. And if I can just do that, it, it feels like things are going better for me. And, and it's a normal thing to think that way, and we feel as though, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I've made some progress on that, and that's something that, you know, there is some genuine concern for people, and I'd like to share it. That's a very normal thing, and we all do it. Uh, same thing about, you know, weight, maybe. You feel like, you know, we figured out if I could just, you know, stop drinking this or start drinking. It's a normal thing. And so we start with those things that we feel like we're seeing in some sort of way. And then we just keep making these inferences. But what we don't realize is, is all those inferences all add up to a conversation where we're acting as though we're righteous and everyone else that has a problem is all messed up. And we don't see it going there. And we do everything we can to couch our language and approach situations so that it paints the picture that we want to paint that like, no, I'm not really judging. I'm just trying to help. But people don't see it that way. They see it for what it is, that we're just constantly judging them. And Jesus says to them, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. When he says that, he's not at all saying that guy has never done anything wrong in his entire life. His parents had never done anything wrong in their entire life. He's not talking about sin in the way that he thinks of sin, where he makes it very clear when he tells people good, there's no one good but God alone. So in terms of sin, he's not saying that they're have never messed up in life in any kind of way. That would be ridiculous. He's not saying that. 
What he's talking about is the way that they're talking about messing up. They're saying that there's some particular thing that these people have done that are worse than what they've done. And because they're somehow worse or they've done something that I haven't done, that they're not as as deserving as me, I can see and this person's born blind. You know, that there's some sort of deficit that they have in their life. There's some sort of thing that I'm going to label as a curse in their life. And that it has to be a result of something that they've done wrong. That's what Jesus is saying. Actually, that's not true. Jesus would never say that people have never done anything wrong. What he's saying is is the connection that we're making of this cause and effect that like this person doesn't know how to do this or this person did this wrong. And so because of that, this has happened. That connection is false. In other words, the judgment that we're heaping on them and the the way that we're heaping it on as a result of this or that is false. And what Jesus has been saying is, is when he says there's no one good but God alone, what he's saying is, is that everyone's living under that curse. It is true. If you do these things, then you'll be blessed. If you don't, we'll be cursed. But Jesus says the truth is, we're all under that side of the curse. <laughs> In other words, we like to think that we have life because we deserve it, or we've done this, or we figured out some sort of method or something. But Jesus is just saying life is obviously just given as a gift, and it's given to people who don't deserve it. And then he says to him, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him or might be made clear or might be made blatant. In other words, he's saying that the works of God are going on all the time, but people just don't see it, and this is an opportunity for it to be made clear. What's he mean by that? If no one deserves life, but everyone in this room has life, then the works of God are happening right now. (laughs) What's the work of God? The work of God is the work of Jesus that we've been talking about. The work of Jesus is saving people who don't deserve it. Giving life, giving that blessing, even though what we deserve is the curse. And so everybody in this room, because you just took a breath, your breath is an example of the love of God and God saving us and giving life to people who don't deserve it But none of us see that work. And the reason why we don't see that work is just because we just, you know, it's impossible for us to relate to the idea that we're not deserving of anything. But Jesus says this is an opportunity for us to see that work of God that exists in every breath we take and every good thing that we point to in our life, it's actually the work of God. It's not our work. And this is a good chance for us to see it. And what's that good chance? That good chance is, starts with people who have every good intention, people who are doing all that they can to make a difference, casting an incorrect judgment on someone with a disability. 
for, for no reason whatsoever. It's self-righteous judgment. Jesus says that self-righteous judgment that you're praying, he doesn't even rebuke them with it. He just sort of goes on with it. There, there's no expectation on Jesus' part that we're going to be anything other than that. Because even the closest ones to Jesus were just that constantly. But he says, even given that, how bad that is, there's an opportunity that's here. You know, if you have an expectation that someone isn't going to judge you, I mean, that's just, that's an unrealistic expectation. (laughs) That the people closest to you are always going to make. And sometimes people will say stuff or insinuate stuff and you'll kind of in the back of your mind think, yeah, you know, okay. There's some truth there. I mean, most of the time we won't go there because even if there is truth there, we'll be in denial of that truth. But every once in a while there's some truth. But the far majority is you take a look at it and you just think, am I like, you know, you you spend like weeks on end thinking through it and and coming to the conclusion, like, I actually think what they said was false. (laughs) Like that actually has no basis in reality. <laughs> like, and you feel like you just want to like argue, argue, argue. I, I need to clarify this. <laughs> you know, this needs to be made clear. I mean, there's a lot that you could say about me that I'd have to say in honesty. Okay, that's, that's fair. You know, I, I don't agree with your intent of your heart that you're saying it because you love me. But, but what the, I'll give it to you. <laughs> But a lot of it is just like when you sit there and you just you get obsessed with it and start thinking through it and it's like you're all of a sudden feeling down and just angry and agitated. And, this, and all that is around feeling like in your mind you're trying to figure out is this true or not and then you're just so frustrated, we're just so frustrated with like somehow this needs to be communicated to this person that they're completely wrong about this. And out of just love and goodness to them and in the interest of communication and healthy relationships, I need to make this clear to them. That's a waste of time. Even if well, you get in some sort of argument about whether or not your parents or you did mess something up and then like, you know, and you go through this, that's a waste of time. Even if you did come to, they just jump to something else because that's what we do. You're not going to be able to argue your way or communicate your way out of this sort of baseness of where we are, where we're just constantly casting judgment on ruining every good relation, ruining our state of mind, ruining whatever happiness we had at the moment. It's just constantly being ruined by these discussions about judging and assigning blame and whose fault it is, and we're just become obsessed about it and becomes this you know, natural conversation that we just have in front of people. And Jesus is gently, very gently, trying to explain to them what the way out of that is. The way out is not proving you're right. The way out is not communicating you're right. The way out is not judgment for judgment. The way out, he says, is Quit talking and thinking and trying about your works and the works of other people. Just whatever that is, forget about that. Ask yourself, what's God doing? Start thinking and talking about the work of God 
And what's the work of God? The work of God is giving life and giving blessing to people that don't deserve it on the basis of his willingness to forgive, on the basis of Jesus' death on the cross, in other words, on the basis of Jesus making things right, of Jesus working things out. What is the work of God that's going on right now? And it's incredibly difficult for us to make that thing. I I mean, just this morning, you know, I I just get done going through the sermon, and I'm thinking of this point in my head, right? You know, think about the the works of God and what, what God's doing, and that the end result of, like, thinking about what we need to do or this or that, it just always ends up being on heaping false judgment on people and just sort of, I, I was just, went for a walk afterwards and ended up talking to this guy, he's telling me about this situation, he's there with his, you know, uh, gal, and uh, just moved here a couple days ago, I think yesterday, from, you know, somewhere else, parked in an area where, uh, you know, six inches of the bumper was over in a red zone, got the car towed, uh, all their stuff, money, cash, everything is now in an impound that can't get out of. So what do I do? I just talk about, oh, you know, this resource or that resource or, you know, like, well, there's work in the area or just like, all oh, I are, so like, blah, blah, blah. And as I'm talking, I can feel, I can see like judgment heaping on top of this person and I just can't shut up. I just can't shut up. I just keep blabbing, blabbing, and I know I need to just shut up. You know, what I should have, what, you know, who knows, but what would have been at least a little bit better is like, wow, you know, I think that you, you, you could tell the guy, he, he didn't vocalize it this way, that they felt like God asked them to come out here and they responded, but it didn't quite turn out that way. I mean, I, you know, even if I had just stopped and, and prayed, and, and I understand the whole thing of like, well, just, you know, oh, you know, be blessed, may the Lord be with you, and then don't do anything to help. I understand. But like just talking about everything that they could have, should have, or if they do, or if they won't. What Jesus is saying, whatever it is that you're going to do, whatever it is the conversation that you're going to have, it's never, ever going to go in a good direction when you're just talking about what you, people should have, could have, would have, whatever we're going to do. The only hope of getting out of that is let the conversation, whatever it is that you get, he's not saying don't do anything. He's just saying whatever it is that you do, or are about to do, or whatever it is you should do, or whatever, however it is that you want to connect to making some sort of difference or connect to some sort of feeling of I'm doing something good, it's never, ever, ever going to come as a result of couching it or thinking of it or talking about it within the realm of human works. We do that all the time, and that's why it's impossible for that to happen. But the transition comes when we start thinking about, talking about, and having conversations about, and doing things within the context of what is, what's God doing? 
That doesn't mean that you have to have a word from God every time you go to the donut shop or something like that. But it does mean something. And Jesus starts to explain what that means. He says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. So he's saying, there is something that you're going to do. But it's, he's making it clear. It, it, it's only something that you've done. The only thing that makes it worthwhile is that it's not you doing it. It's God's work. He says that you can't connect to God's work by working. There is a way to connect your work, the things that you do, the things that you say these come. There is a way of connecting it to God's work. And so you can say it's work for you, but, but there is a way of connect. So, so what is that way? He says, night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am a light of the world. He says that, that he leads us in that direction. Uh, in other words, what, what's he leads us in that direction? What is that light? It's the words that he's been speaking, that this message of the gospel, that God loves us and that he cares for us and that God's willing to save us, even though we keep messing up. And, and this word needs to this work is happening, but it needs to become blatant. It, it comes by attaching our work to the work of God, not to our work. And, and he says that he's here, this message of the gospel and, and Jesus. And what we read about Jesus in these passages, which is why we're looking at it, that helps lead us, shed some light on, on how to make our work the work of God and, and not just be casting judgment. And, and then Jesus does something. It says, having said this, in other words, he didn't just pass a blessing off. He, he, he took some time at the beginning to phrase things in a clear way, to say that, that whatever it is that we're doing, it's about the work of God. It's not about even the work that I'm doing. But I, I'm just here to try and shed light on the work of God, to, to make it more blatant. And this situation where you've had self-righteous judgment on this person that didn't deserve it, it it's going to help highlight that. He, he's speaking truth about it. He, he's phrasing it. He's trying to help them see in what he's going to do what, what's happening. It says, having said this, he spit on the ground... I don't know, I, stupid thing. But I, I guess because we've got a, a little dog at home. I just always think it's funny how people, this is completely off subject, how a dog spit is actually less bacteria than human. Like, you know, get bit by a dog is one thing. Get bit by a human, that's like death sentence. <laughs> you know? uh, you're saying he spit on the ground, made some mud, uh, you know. So, so in other words... You know, it, there, there's no sanitizer. There's not like he's put some sanitizer on the ground. He took something that, you know, I don't know, maybe you said, maybe we're wrong in empirically saying that spit isn't disgusting. And maybe it's actually a very health. We just need to go around spitting on everybody and adding some dirt that everyone's been walking on from the ground to throw up. On, you know, maybe we're just wrong in that assessment. But to me, he did two of the most filthy things and then 
Put it on your eyes. I mean, it's one thing when someone coughs on you, you know, and you feel it brushing. It's another thing when you feel it going into your eyes. And then he said, go. Wash your wash in the pool of Siloam, which is an interesting, it says in parentheses, this word means sent, which we don't have time to look into. But whatever happens, it says, so the man went, washed, and came home seen. What just happened there? Can you say that the light of Jesus is to point us to something that we didn't know about spit and about the dirt of the ground and about how the cleansing power of this pool? And so now when we got problems, that's the way we need to approach it? Is there some sort of method that's being pointed to is like, here's now I just hand it over to you, and this is sort of this deistic thing. Now you know. When someone's blind, this is what you do. There's none of that. In fact, I, I don't know, I, I'm sure that some pastor somewhere has some sort of insight about like some sort of statement that's being, I, I don't know. To me, it just looks like Jesus just did the opposite of anything that I would think of as being helpful. (laughs) But it worked. Was it the process that worked? No. All that you can say in that situation is that Jesus did something. (laughs) You can't say that what he did falls within the realm of what we would consider reasonable. What Jesus did, you would say by doing this, it seems to me, and this is just my personal opinion, you can think of it however you want, but to me, Jesus purposely did something outside of the realm of what we would consider to be, well, if you do this and this and this, then, you know, something good will have you, like, you know, raise your kids this way and this way. It's like he took his kids out and gave them soda, and they were raised healthy. <laughs> that's basically like the... So I know that's a, that's a miracle that would never happen. It's an impossibility. There's no way that Jesus could ever, ever... Give health to someone who has drunken cactus coors. That's my favorite. Or, or Fanta, something like that. There's no, that type of, the blind, yes. What Jesus is saying is, is what God does, if it is true that there's no one good but God alone, but he's just pouring life out on us and doing good things, indiscriminately almost, just because he loves it. And he's just saying basically like, look, they don't deserve, but I just can't help. I just have to show some love here. I just have to pour it out. And if something needs to be paid for that, I'm going to pay it. If justice is saying, no, you can't do that, I'm going to make it so justice says I can. <laughs> and that's what the story of Jesus is about. But God is, if that's true, then God is in no way, shape, or form 
confined to bringing blessing into our life in a way that fits with some sort of method or something that in and of itself is going to produce something good. He doesn't have to do that. He may or he may not. The only thing that you can say that happened is Jesus did something, but even Jesus says, this is an opportunity where the world and the culture has wrongly passed judgment and wrongly painted a picture of this person, and not even just this person, but this group of people, because there's more than one person that was blind, there's more than one person, they did it to everybody that was in this disabled group. Because society has cast this picture of this person being worse than everyone else, this is actually an ideal opportunity for me to show that what I give isn't based on that, for people to be able to see that. And he says, my work is connected to that. And the only thing that you can say that the guy about the guy is, he went and did it. <laughs> now, is the guy going to be able to keep every law of Moses? No one there was able to do that. There's not a single, they're, they're casting judgment on this guy that he hasn't kept the law of Moses. And so none of them had kept the law of Moses. That was an impossibility for anyone to do. But Jesus just says, hey, go, here's what I say to you. Just go wash yourself in this pool. After I'm doing this and just go wash off in this pool. That's something that could be done. It wasn't like, you know, there's a story in the, it's not just Jesus, it's echoed throughout the Bible, there's a story of uh, this guy, uh, a leper, uh, general, and uh, the, guy, the guy in charge of the military for a country that hated Israel and, and was trying to dominate over. He had a, a slave, a girl that they had taken captive and, and I think slaughtered her family, and, and she's there. It's just a crazy story. And she hears this guy has leprosy. And he goes, hey, you know, there's this guy back in my home country. He goes to King, King. Sends his Anyways, they go. And, and the prophet says to him, you know, oh, go wash in this stream. And he gets all indignant. Says, you know, hey, there's more healing properties. There's cleaner water where I come from. That, in other words, he's applying to this process that there must be some sort of power in the process. Jesus isn't pointing to a power of a process, a power of a method. <laughs> And uh, his servant says to him, hey, if this guy had asked you to do something, you know, like super heroic or super life, you would have gone and done it. But because he's just said to you, just go watch it, you just won't do it. Why don't you just go see? So he begrudgingly goes and he's healed. We are totally mistaken and off course, if we think that God's blessing is somehow attached to us following the rules, the, the wisdom of God as put out in the Bible, yes, it's the wisdom. No, we're never going to do that. That's a burden we can't bear. Even, you know, in, in the early church, when they talked about it, they, the church in Jerusalem said, hey, neither us nor our fathers have ever been able to bear this burden. Why are we going to put it on other people? Does that mean that nothing is being asked? No. Jesus asked something. (laughs) 
He's asked one thing. It was a simple thing to do. Just go wash in this pool. I guarantee you that everybody here in this room is in some way, shape, or form dealing with the guilt or the weight of feeling like I need to be this type of person and this is who I'm trying to put out and I'm trying to be this, and knowing I can't be that. <laughs> but I also guarantee you that there is like one thing probably that's popping into your mind right now that you kind of feel like I should probably just do this and you've probably been you know, if you're anything like me, that's been there for like a couple of years. <laughs> and it's something, I mean, I've shared with you before some of my, and these are easy things to share because they're just ridiculous <laughs> things. I remember for years just feeling like for some reason God just wanted me to pick up the Bible and read it. I just, this is stupid. It was an easy thing to do. I could just do it. And then when I finally did do it, you know what happened? I got nothing out of it. I don't even remember what. I could read, and then I wouldn't even remember what I had just read. There was no like, oh, I read the Bible, and so now something was important to me. It's like, the only thing that happened is I felt like Jesus was telling, another one was, going to church, and I remember just literally, even though I didn't read my Bible, wasn't going to church, this is, so I'd gotten past that, and just feeling so indignant. How could anything good come from me associating with those people? You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to give up all my money to part, I'll do that. If you want me to, like, go live with people on the show. I'll go do that. I'll become Mother Teresa. But don't ask me to go to church and associate with those people. Now, if there isn't some element of self-righteousness that's there, of course there is. But it's something that I could easily just go do. So finally, it's just like, look, I just got to get this off my back. I'm just going to just go do it even though I know nothing good. And I just sat in the back row with my arms crossed for like a whole year. Got nothing out of it. There was nothing. It's like, go to church and your life will be changed. Now, all it did was just confirm every self-righteous judgment that I had. (laughs) I'm not saying that there's something healing property and going and washing at the pool or that it's connected in that. But everyone here, you know, there's something that's there. And when Jesus says, my burdens are light, what he is saying is, look, I'm taking on the burden of being righteous for you. I'm taking on the burden of the law and that. And I'm giving you something. In other words, I'm not giving you the burden. I'm just giving you some way that you can very easily, that it's within your capacity to just do it and participate in the work of God. And you don't need to know how that's going to. It's like, you're not, we're not capable of knowing how that. But, but there are things 
there's things that Jesus will make clear, and it'll be, it's not going to be, sometimes it'll feel like, I, I remember, you know, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Sometimes it's like difficult, like just telling the truth about something. It's not like, oh, you need to be a truthful person, and I'm just going to be a better person for being truthful. It's not like that. We lie every time we speak. You know, we paint a picture uh, of what we want to paint. But there's one little thing <laughs> to one person <laughs> who just, you know, it just sticks in your mind. And you just know, I, I think I need to just go tell this person something. There's, there's always that one thing, and, and it's always doable. And, and what he's saying is, is, look, there's not the burden. It's not like this guy is now a righteous person, that he's a good person because he did what Jesus told him to do and went and washed in the pool. He just did that one thing. what we want to be and the works that we want to do to be able to show that we're righteous, to be able to show that we're deserving of this, to be able to show that that we're making ourselves live longer, that we're making ourselves stable, that's never going to happen. But that doesn't mean that God isn't going to give us the gift of being able to participate in his work. And the way we can participate begins by us thinking about what he's doing, and Jesus helped when we think about the gospel and this message of God's love and forgiveness, that helps highlight it. But then it oftentimes begins with us just responding to something that Jesus has made clear to you. Something. And, and it's hardly ever going to make sense. But you know it's there. He says... His neighbors, those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed he was. Others says, no, he just looks like him. I I mean, everybody on the street looks the same. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't like I actually looked at the guy as we went by. Just, you know, out of the corner of my eye, everyone kind of looks the same. That guy says, insisted, no, I'm that guy. (laughs) That's me. The person that you were talking about as being like this sinful person and this, all this, that you like, you know, had this false idea. That's me. (laughs) I I am that guy. He's being honest. And I said, well, how were your eyes open?" How could you be that guy that mismanaged his money and now there's this? That's an impossibility. How could you be the person who ate fast food every day of your life and then this is, how could could that be? There's a little bit of dismay. We, We don't, can't grapple with who someone is outside of this method of success that, that we flavor everything with. And this is what he says. He says, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and told me, go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. He doesn't even say, Jesus told me. 
Because he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He is. All he says is he actually just speaks as honest the truth as he possibly. He doesn't even say the man called Jesus. He says, or the man, man Jesus. He just says, all I know is people were calling him Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know who Jesus is. All I know is everyone else was calling him Jesus. That's as truthful as you could be about it. He doesn't say he spit. He probably didn't even, maybe he heard it, but he didn't, didn't see it. He was blind. But he knew that there was some, and he made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he said, go and wash. And I went and washed, and then I could see. It is all he did was as truthful as he could be to just say, I don't know, here's what happened. And then they said, well, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And then we end there. Like there's zero demand. I mean, it's nice to know what's going on. It's nice to feel like you've locked into some sort of method or thing like that. And nice to feel like, you know, oh, I was trying to help this person and I've been searching around to find, and I finally figured out how you help people in this situation or something. It, it feels good like there's some sort of sense of security that comes with locking into knowing something. <laughs> even though that knowledge is always completely self-righteous and judgmental and just destroys every relationship that we have. Jesus is saying, look, like I said, he, he told me to do something. I could do it. I did it. And this happened. And I don't know what's going on. You don't need to know. It's nice to know, it feels good to know, but it feels good to know for all the wrong reasons. And actually, knowledge in a lot of sense is just a giant weight that just hangs down on us and just sort of imprisons us to think that everything in life has to fall within this little box of imprisonment that it is. And the work of God doesn't fit in that. He purposefully jumps out of that. He purposely does things all the time. Why? Because we're saying we're not confined by that. Whatever it is that's going on, who cares? If you're blind from birth, who cares what happened? Oh, all that matters is I can see now. Well, why do we need to talk about anything else other than that? Why can't we just be happy? And die? That's awesome. You know, I know I've been passing by. Sorry, dude, for like passing by. I just didn't know what to do. I'm sorry for not remembering your name and not recognizing you or whatever, you know. I don't even think he cared about having that conversation. Just can you just be happy a little bit? But we have to have all these. And even when, some, when something bad happens, we have all these things that we talk about that pass judgment. And then when something good happens, we can't rejoice about it because we're still talking about all this stuff. He's just saying, at some point, the benefit of coming to Jesus is just letting go of all of that. And know that God loves you. He has a plan for you. And whatever judgments people are throwing at you, whatever things people are saying that you know aren't true, you don't have to stress about that. Don't sit there and think about that. Just whatever. You don't even have to like be mad at them. I mean, if you want to, fine, be mad. But you don't have to. You can just let go of it. And just know God has you. <laughs> And he's able to work it out in spite of all that. And he's always working it out in spite of all that. And it's, 
And maybe it's good to recognize that, like, I'm not any different. I do that all the time myself. But praise God, he has given us a salvation that bypasses all that. That is no way dependent on that. His love is in no way confined to our works. The only thing propelling God's works is him and his love for us. And he's provided a path that reason, justice, everything else has to fall in line with it. And that path is him coming down and becoming one of us. Him living a life, and if you look through his life, it, it, all it does is makes this saving work of God clear. He paid the price, which means anything that needed to be done, he's done it and he's going to continue to do it. And he gives us eternal life, which means that he's just saying we have life, we have things that come, and we can, we're free. We don't have to sit there and talk through the method and everything and try and figure out what's going on. We don't need to worry about that. Just rejoice in all the good things that he's doing. And, and are there problems? Oh, of course there's problems. <laughs> but those problems are meaningless in the light of the eternal life that, that Jesus is offering us, of him being raised from the dead, raised after we betrayed him, raised after we killed him, raised after all the works that we did to kill off this salvation, this salvation lived on and, and is offered to us today. And he's not saying that you can't go out and be judgmental to people. Go ahead. It's fine. You know, if you want to be that way, be that way. We're just going to be that way. But he's saying you can find a life that's not better than that because you're not going to be a better person. But you can find a joy that isn't attached to that. A joy in life where we can just be happy about the good things that God has done that are going on all around us, but we just don't see it. We can't attach to it. There's no way for us to attach to it. Jesus helps us attach to it through this message of the gospel and through us finally being able to see all the things that are happening to us are just happening because God loves us and cares about us and is willing to do whatever it takes to give us life. Let's pray. Uh, let's stand together and we'll pray together. Uh, as your eyes are closed and demands coming back up, if you have any prayer requests, uh, anything that you'd just like to put out before the Lord, you can come up here and there'll be some folks up here to pray with you. And if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior and start this journey with Him, you can come up and they'll pray with you with that too. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, we just uh, thank you so much and just uh, we just ask for your forgiveness and we just thank you for your forgiveness and for just all the horrible ways that we connect with people and do this type of judgment. But Lord, just lift that burden off of us and let us feel your forgiveness and help us, Lord, to just grab a hold of, to just start responding to your offer to be able to participate in, in the works of God. And I just pray, Lord, that we just grab a hold of the simple things that you just put before us 
that we'd start looking for the works of God and looking for the way that, that you've laid out for us to connect to it, looking for that it would be a, a pleasing thing to us, the command that you give that's easy and isn't a burden. And I pray that we would take joy in responding. Uh, we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.